0: Hi. Welcome to Housing Developments. I'm Jerry Howard. And I'm Jim Tobin. Jim, it's uh, great to virtually be with you. <laughs> in a, in a uh, socially responsible distance way, yes. Uh, how long it, has it been since you and I have been in the same room together? Uh, it's got to be, let's
1: see, April, May, June, July. It's got to be four and a half months. Right, March thirteenth, Friday, Friday,
0: March thirteenth was our last day in the office. God, that's the longest that you and I have been apart, or our families, uh, probably in twenty years. Uh, I would say that's that is absolutely accurate. Absolutely, yeah. And that's while awesome. I miss you, I can say that not not being with you has uh, helped my liver a great deal. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I can say the same thing. I can <laughs> say the exact same thing. You know, while we haven't been in the same room, you and I have been on a series of, over the course of the past few months, very interesting phone calls. uh, Starting at the beginning of this, because we represent the industry we represent and the organization uh, for which we work, Uh, we were able to get right through to uh, the head of FEMA uh, on that Saturday afternoon, I'll never forget it, where you and I implored him to make sure that residential construction uh, was in fact considered, uh, at least from the federal perspective, um, an essential industry. You know, and we ended up being considered essential in what 44 out of the 50 states.
1: That's right, 44 out of the states. And while we were, it was great to be deemed
0: essential. We took it as
1: a as a privilege and a responsibility to make sure that we were carrying through on our part. The industry led a stand down for safety. Took one day. It took a couple hours out of their workday to educate their employees, talk about the virus, the transmission, and the safety procedures. I think I think that that whole team uh, under Dave Ledford uh, they, they really deserve a lot of a lot of credit for how for the industry staying essential.
0: Well, you're exactly right, and I was just going to get to that. I mean, once we were able to get the industry classified as as essential, next making sure that we practice safe work environment was crucial and. Uh, Dave and his team were tremendous. Once again, Paul and his team. The, the organization flowed so amazingly well. I couldn't be more proud of the way our team came together. I mean, in football, there was two players called Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, uh, Glenn Davis and Doc Blanchard from the cool. Army football team of uh, of the pre-World War II era. Um, and, and that's exactly what NAHB was, uh, Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. We had you and your guys and Dave and his team working policy and politics. Um, We had Mel and her team working inside. We had uh, Paul being able to wordsmith and cover uh, both perspectives. And I think that we showed our members the value of their membership in keeping things going. And now the challenge is to continue that effort. The economy, obviously, as Rob Dietz said, forecasted, took like a 32% drop in GDP uh, for the second quarter. That's staggering. And yet, housing numbers, in part due to our efforts, uh, continue to be strong, and we've just got to keep it going.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, Our, our focus now is, is helping the industry to continue to thrive and do what Rob Dietz has always said housing does in these situations. It's lead the, the national economy out of a recession, certainly something uh, you and I went, to, went went through the the two thousand and eight and two thousand and ten and twelve recession together. Uh, that was a completely different animal than what we 're seeing now is we continue to, to advocate on behalf of the industry, keep those hammers swinging. I do think that that we can we the housing industry can bring the uh, the national economy back to its feet in, 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 in hopefully pretty quick order
0: yeah you know it's really interesting i mean if there is a silver lining that can come out of something as disastrous as this pandemic. It seems that the, the, the whole quarantine situation has reinforced and reinvigorated the American dream of home ownership. The number of people who are leaving urban areas and who want to buy family homes with a backyard after having spent three months uh, cooped up in a small urban apartment is staggering, and it really does reinforce the American dream of home ownership. We've just got to make sure that our members have the tools to keep that market going. That's right, that's right, and and that's why it's, it's so critical that we, uh, as, as we work
1: uh, the halls of Congress, uh, or virtually the halls of Congress, to, to try to make sure that the government response, or the next set of government responses to the virus, or take care of the, the housing industry. Also make sure that we're providing the tools to our state and local associations, as they continue to provide the, the badly needed services to our members, whether it's education, uh, whether it's sales opportunities, the whole industry and the whole Federation uh, is, is working very well together to make sure that we're, we're satisfying that, that pent up need for new homes. Uh, you, as, as you said, the interest rates are low. Supply is still is still very low. I think I saw you know, Rob said a four month supply. Uh, we, we've got a long way to go to get to a, a normal market, and uh, and we need to make sure we've got the tools that are available to do that.
0: Yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about how we do that, but, but I also need to mention the situation that we need to address in the multifamily arena. Um, we've got our guys uh, now who, thankfully, the large majority of the American renting public has continued to pay their rents, but If they stop, and the longer this goes on, the longer unemployment at the entry level of the employment ladder continues to soar, uh, the less likely it is that people are going to be able to continue to pay their rents. And if they don't do that, it puts an unbelievable burden on the landlords and the property owners because they still have to pay their taxes. They still have to keep the the, the living conditions uh, acceptable in their apartment buildings. They still have to pay the debt service on their notes. So we've got a job in front of us that incorporates every segment of the housing ladder. It incorporates every segment of our membership. And I, I'm really glad to know that uh, we have the team in place that's up to that task.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you're absolutely right. We're uh, anxiously awaiting. Uh, we work this next bill to rental assistance, uh, particularly to do exactly those things you're, you're you're talking about. We want to keep people in their apartments and in their homes. We don't want people on the streets, uh, but yet we have to recognize that there. You said those those retail or restaurant workers that are in our workforce housing that are are that so far, thanks to uh, twelve hundred dollars stimulus payments or our unemployment insurance, have been able to pay those rents. But as as we see those programs run out. Uh, we have got to make sure that there is a, a comprehensive plan, help people with payments, whether it's, it's, it's more stimulus payments or, or extended unemployment insurance. Yet, we also need to make sure that, that the landlords are taken care of. If people can't pay their rent, we don't want them out on the street, but we also have responsibilities, like you said, to, to our creditors or, to, or make sure, more importantly, that those services that our, our landlords and developers provide Uh, to make sure that people live in safe, decent, affordable housing. It needs to be a comprehensive approach. We cannot just have an eviction moratorium out there. That is a long-term recipe for disaster. It it jeopardizes many of the affordable apartments that are out there, jeopardizes the ability of of landlords, again, to provide those great homes that they do and those great apartments that they do.
0: Yeah, and uh, I know that uh, we've pressed that issue very strongly, uh, both on Capitol Hill and within the administration. In fact. Uh, Chuck and I talked just last week with Secretary Carson himself about that. Obviously, he is acutely aware of the problem and, um, and is assuring us of his best efforts to try and, and make sure that our, uh, our multifamily providers are addressed in this legislation. At the same time, Jim, I think you and I were both uh, somewhat disappointed that only certain of our members have been allowed access to the PPP loans. This seems to be very clearly an oversight, a piece of rushed legislation. In fact, uh, my conversations uh, with the high-ranking person over at the White House said, look, Jerry, we created the third largest bank in America in two weeks. Uh, some things did get missed. Uh, we've been doing a lot to remind them of what they missed and uh, remind them that they need to fix it. That effort's going to take place. It can take place either in the regulatory arena or on Capitol Hill. Where do we stand right now, Jim? Jim?
1: We're, uh, we were disappointed when the Treasury Department and the SBA decided to eliminate uh, spec builders, multifamily property owners, and land developers from access to the PPP program. Uh, we think it was an oversight. Congressional intent clearly made it, uh, made it so that any small business under 500 employees were eligible, yet Treasury Department uh, specifically you know, applied a, uh, an old SBA guidance document that we think erroneously to the program. We have been working within the channels of of the Treasury and SBA department to get that fixed. You have had direct conversations with Secretary Mnuchin as well as members of Congress on this, uh, but so far uh, the the administration isn't moving on it. So we've taken our plea to Capitol Hill. Uh, Congressman Steve Stivers from uh, from Ohio has has taken up the calling, uh, and he is working on a piece of legislation that would address uh, the shortfall in the program, and we're we're continuing to draft that legislation with him in, in an effort to try to get it into this this negotiation, or if not this one, then, then others down the road. And so that that's been a, it's been a real challenge. Again, as you said,
0: uh, um, I think it was a with real old friends uh, The lumber dealers and the lumber producers. Um, I'll tell you, I'm concerned about the lumber prices, and I'm concerned about it from two perspectives. One is uh, during uh, the government shutdown, obviously, all of our domestic uh, producers shut down and closed down their operations then they haven't been able to get back up in service uh, as quickly and as efficiently uh, as we've been able to keep the home construction sector going. So we really need to work with them and encourage them and help them in any way we can to get things up and going. But still, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is that we get 30% of our lumber, always have, from Canada. What's going on with the Canadian talks and what are we going to do about it? Well,
1: the first thing we did, as uh, we, we've seen lumber uh, spike once again, is, is renew our push with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer to once again, re get back to the table with Canada on the software and lumber agreement. NAFTA's done. Heck, NAFTA's now fully implemented for NAFTA 2.0. It's, it's now time to re-engage on the Canadian software and lumber talks. And you also sent a letter to talk to, uh, with a request, the, the Commerce secretary Ross, do what he did two years ago, which is pick up the phone, call the lumber the lumber producers, the domestic lumber producers in the, in the country and and tell them to ramp up their production. Uh, the, the, they they made a miscalculation again, we talked earlier about the, kind of the fog of war from the early days of the pandemic, but they made a calculation that the housing industry was going to uh, was going to fade. They damaged they were wrong. It's now time for them to pick up and put more lumber. Uh, in the marketplace so that we can continue to build an affordable house. I, I think that's one of the biggest drags on the on the market right now, are these lumber prices.
0: Another area um, that could be considered in the silver lining category, and look, I'm groping for anything positive to come out of a situation which has kept us out of watch for, for all this time, but is the fact that a lot of the laborers who were employed in other industries are going to have difficulty uh, – Jobs back in their fields. Uh, Obviously, the the, the most glaring example is in the restaurant industry. um, That uh, possibly as many as 50 to 60 percent of the small family owned restaurants uh, that have closed are not going to reopen. And that might make employment in our sector a lot more appealing than it was six months or a year ago. What can we do about that, Jim? What can we do uh, to attract more people into the industry?
1: More, more job training dollars, and that's something we're working on at Capitol Hill. Uh, we're talking to the Labor Department. We, we need to continue to advocate to open up every every avenue for anybody who wants a job in the construction sector to get trained and get a paycheck, and, and that's what we're working on uh, day in and day out. It's critically important. I, I've heard anecdotally uh, from, from some of our states that they have seen a you know, tenfold increase and people registering for their construction training programs. Uh, People want a paycheck. They want to get back to work. Uh, So for us, it's about, again, removing those barriers uh, to to job training and getting those dollars there so we can increase programs and get people trained.
0: Well, we've got our job cut out for us, and uh, we've got a short uh, period of time to get anything done. Congress is uh, going into adjournment for August. Uh, They'll come back in September. How long will they stay in once they come back, and what will they work on?
1: Yeah, just just two or three weeks. The fiscal year ends uh, September 30th, so it's my impression they'll get it. They'll get a Corona package done over these next couple of weeks. They'll go away for four weeks, and then they'll come back, wrap up uh, a couple of uh, of spending bills, big spending bills to so just get the government funded through till the end of the year. They won't they won't do anything big. Uh, flood insurance is another example of something they have to extend. I expect them to do that and then they'll go out for and go out uh, right after, uh, you know, the first week of October uh, and go home and, and run for the campaign, and then, you know, all bets are off. We'll see what happens on, on November 3rd.
0: Well, I know our listeners are dying to hear uh, your prediction and your analysis of the election, but I think we'll save that for another program because as we do every two years, you and I are going to disagree. We're going to argue. Um, you're going to make your predictions, and we know who's going to be right, don't we? <laughs>
1: The good news is the longer we wait, the more, the more information I'll have to make a good prediction this time.
0: All right. Well, thank all you, right. uh, everybody, for listening in. We pray that you and your families are staying safe. Uh, we hope you're also very busy, uh, and we look forward to being with you again on the next episode of Housing Developments. I want to thank you all, and I'm Jerry Howard.
1: And I'm Jim Tobin.
0: Thanks for joining us.